The following audio is from Foundation Life Bible Church. More information about Foundation Life is available at www.foundationlbc.com. Good morning. It's been a great to gather in the name of our Lord together. Even though we may have been dragging this morning, we certainly have those mornings, but coming together in the name of the Lord, it just blesses. Singing together blesses. Um, coming together in His Word blesses us. Um, we are just so blessed. Okay, let me get something out in the air here. <laughs> Friends that I text this morning, sorry I just did that 10 minutes ago. I, I dropped the ball on sending you um, the, the service, but I'm, I'm glad you're joining us. Thank you for joining us, and please forgive me um, for doing that. So um, thank you for your gracious responses. And if you saw me texting on my phone while we were singing, that's what I was doing. I was remembering I forgot to send out the link. So there we go. The Lord is good. He is faithful. He is dependable. I am not. I need Jesus. All right, so let's do this. Let's open up in prayer and then let's get into God's truth. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are coming again. Thank you for the privilege of worshiping you, Lord. As we read this morning during worship, we trust that your word will not return void and that you will do a work in us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. So we were challenged last week to take a step. To take a step and think about with the Lord how can I grow in my relationship with Him? Did anybody think about that? Did the Spirit move in anybody to show them an area where they can grow? Um, I will say for me, there was a relationship that I've been giving up on, that I've been very discouraged by, and the Lord made, told me clear as day, um, keep reaching out. So... Um, that's what I need to do. That's where obedience is for me. Um, let, me let me start here. Remember as we've gone through these chapters, and we're in chapter 3 now, that each chapter's had a theme about Jonah. And of course, the first one is chapter 1, Jonah runs from God. And we looked at that for a couple weeks. And then chapter 2 is Jonah's humbled. Jonah is brought to his knees by God. And then chapter 3 today is Jonah surrenders, but we say surrenders loosely, right? Jonah surrenders and obeys God. But here's where we're going today, and Hannah, thank you for writing down our notes today. She helped us out today, and I'm grateful for that. But here's what we want to think about. By God's mercy, we plant the seed, but it's God that makes that seed grow. So in mercy, the Lord says, you get to participate and you get to plant the seed. You get to share the truth. But ultimately, it's God that makes it grow. Let me read a verse to you. 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave growth. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave growth. And we're going to see that today in our scripture. So look in your Bibles at Jonah. And begin for me in chapter 2, verse 10. And no, I am not going backwards. We're okay. 
All right, and we're going to go through chapter 3, verse 10, okay? So, so let's just do that together. Let's read that. So 2.10 to 3.10. Look at that, Conrad, 11 verses. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. Verse 6. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from, the evil, from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. So we observed last week God's mercy to Jonah. And Jonah, as he hit that water, hurled into the sea. I don't think there's any question he thought he was a dead man. The lights were about to go out and at just the right time, and it reminds me about what Scripture says about the cross, at just the right time, Christ died for us. Well, at just the right time, God sent a fish and rescued Jonah. And again, I want to remind you, what are we reflecting on? Think about the fish that God has provided for you. And man, there's some minnows, there's some guppies, and there's some whales, right? They're all different sizes. But the important part is, are we worshiping? Are we reflecting on that? Are we remembering God in our life for the little things and maybe what we would define as the big things? All of it is God's hand. But inside that fish, here's what's true. God had Jonah's undivided attention. This morning in our class, Xavier, Ryan, and Noah, and Will and I were talking about the fact that sometimes God puts us in a vice. He squeezes he squeezes in, and he had Jonah's undivided attention, and it was here that Jonah worshipped. It was in that stinky whale that he worshipped, that he remembered the goodness of God, that he remembered the mercy of God. He wasn't entitled to it. He didn't deserve it, but God had given it. And you may remember, here's what we honed in on last week. Our radar was here. God rescues us for what purpose? To restore us, to use us, to help us be kingdom-minded, to get us in a place where we can be vessels, right? So 
for His glory, He starts that in us from the time we're saved. Philippians tells us that He will finish what He started in us, and that's a process. And like that child, we rebel. Like that child, we push, we kick our feet. But God continues to work in us the mindset of being kingdom-minded. And Paul puts it this way. He says, I want you to know just as you have been reconciled to the Father, reconciled to God through Christ, He's now called you to a ministry of reconciliation. We're ministers of reconciliation. That's God's plan for us. Ambassadors of the King of Kings. So what do we read? We read that God ordered this fish and Xavier, Noah, Rai, look at this, attribute of God. He ordered the fish to spew out Jonah on dry land. That reminds us of his transcendence. It reminds us that he's sovereign. It reminds us that it's another attribute of his character, his sovereignty, his providence. And once more, Jonah had heard this before. This sounds familiar, Lord. He gave him the same word. Get to Nineveh. Go what? Go east. So Jonah got a second crack at obeying God, didn't he? How many chances has the Lord given you? How many chances has the Lord given me? We get another crack at things, don't we? Here's how it goes. I sin, God, for, God forgives, He restores. Repeat. I sin, God forgives, He restores. Repeat. I sin, God forgives, He restores. Repeat. Repeat and rinse. Does that sound familiar? The Bible is jam-packed with this. Think about John Mark when we studied the book of Mark. Think about Thomas, Peter, Elijah, Jacob. We could go on and on of people in the Bible that God gave grace, 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 and more grace to. He shows grace to his people. Look at the second part of verse 2. And the command, here's what he says. Preach what I give you. In other words, and here's what we're honing in on today. Plant the seed. Jonah, you have one job. Plant the seed. Preach the word that I have given you. Plant the seed. And this reminds me as a privilege to preach and teach God's word to walk carefully with opinions to not focus on a style or a delivery because how the word of God is delivered or opinions do not change lives tickling ears and telling people what they want to hear does not bring men and women to repentance. Softening the blow and making excuses for God does not change the heart. The ball of salvation gets rolling through the truth of God's word. 
That's the first part. Plant the seed. The truth of God's word. Romans 10, 17 says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. God's command for all of us in Christ Jesus, just like Jonah, the principle we take away here is plant the seed. Plant the seed. Plant my seed. Which means what? We should spend a lot of time on earth in life weekly, daily, knowing these words and walking in these words. That way I have something to plant. God gave me this illustration this week as I was in His Word. There's a, there's a scripture that talks about His Word being honey to my lips. And I just pictured my Bible up like this and me opening my mouth and just dripping the honey in. And it was just a picture for me of where I want to get with the Word of God. Because sometimes these words aren't that for me. But God's working in me. He's moving in me in that. And I pray He's doing the same in you. Jeremiah 23, 29 says this, Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. So let's pick up in verse 3 here. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now, Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, here it is, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So this time, Jonah did what? He obeyed. He walked into the hornet's nest, not knowing what would happen? You're going into enemy territory. And you're going to speak about a God, give a word from the Lord of people that are enemies of God. And in my mind, for his own life, after being in that whale, after experiencing God's goodness, the mercy of God required that Jonah do this. It required obedience. Now what we learn here is Nineveh was a decent size. Our scripture tells us that it took Jonah three days to travel through it. So let's think about this for a moment from the perspective of the Ninevites. This strange prophet comes into our land and he looks like death warmed over. He had to have, right? I mean, just think about it practically. Can we assume this guy stuck out like a sore thumb? I think maybe we can. I know we're assuming there. But don't you think that the dude probably reeked of dead fish too? He didn't smell good. He didn't look good. I mean, this is not the presentation that you really want to go for, right? When you're making the pitch, okay? But everywhere he went across the city, our Bibles say he preached the same message to Nineveh. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now I need to go over here. Yet 40 days 
and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And then he goes over here, same thing, over and over again. He says God's message. You have 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. To a brutal and violent people that love themselves, the Lord's message was this. You have 40 days to get it right. You have 40 ways to, to 40 days to change your ways, to turn it around. 40 days. And we see Jonah did obey, but I don't believe he did it with the right heart. And as I challenged you last week, I don't believe that Jonah ever repents. I don't believe there's evidence of repentance in this book. But I asked you to look into that. You, you and God figure that out. We know what it's like to do something begrudgingly. Did anybody have to do anything begrudgingly this weekend they did not want to do? Maybe that's why we're tired and dragging a little bit, right? Okay, so kids, think about this for a moment, okay? Hannah, have you ever had in your, in your mind that, okay, I'm going to wake up today, I'm going to play with my friends, I'm so excited, and mom comes and says, guess what, kids, today we're doing a deep cleaning of our rooms. Are you ready? And you're like, okay, mom, you're mom, and, and I'm going to obey you, but you're doing it with a heart that says, I'm doing this, but I don't like it. Anybody ever done that? Yes, right? We do. Okay, or what about this one? Your plan is brothers and sisters that are married. Your plan is, today I'm going to take it easy. I had a long week. I'm tired, right? And your spouse says, oh, I really wanted to get these things knocked out. I really wanted to do these things. So you do them, but you do them begrudgingly. You do them by maybe slamming down the hammer a little louder than you should, right? Or you do them by murmuring things under your breath or passive-aggressive comments. Uh, I don't know. Anybody ever done that? Just me? Is that anybody else? Yeah? Okay. So there it is. Yes, right? So this is where Jonah's at. He does it, but his heart is not right. I don't believe it's right. So we do things, but we got to throw a snarky comment in there, right? We do things, but our flesh has to be satisfied. It has to be justified. It has to be rationalized, right? Doesn't it? I have to be right in this. I'm doing this, but you're wrong, and this is stupid, right? We may not say that out loud, but that's what our actions say. That's what our words say. I mean, it's true. So did Jonah preach God's word in love? I don't think so. Did he plead with the Lord to save him? There's, no, there's nothing in that in that he's praying, that he's asking God, right? I, I, don't, I doubt it. In my opinion, I think he hoped the message would fall on deaf ears. I'll say this. I'll, I'll, I'll do it, God. You were so good to me. I shouldn't even be alive. I'll do this. I'll preach your word. I'll say these words with gladness. 40 days and then you guys are done and I can't wait. I bet that's where his heart was, right? 40 days and then God's going to wipe you out and I've been dreaming for this day. But here... Even after God showed him mercy, please, God, wipe them out. And again, this is why I don't believe there's evidence of Jonah repenting here. And yet, here's how good God is. Here's 
Xavier, we were talking about this morning, you know, the transcendence of God, the faithfulness of God. And, and Noah, you brought out that he, used the, he uses the things that are not, right? So here we see that God changed hearts, even though Jonah, jo, no, let's say Jonah, even though Jonah had the, the right words with the wrong heart, right? The right words with the wrong heart. Through his unwilling prophets, he brought, God brought a re revival that has never been seen again. Nothing even close to this. It's amazing. But brothers and sisters, I'm reminded that God doesn't need me. I'm reminded that God didn't say, oh no, if Sam doesn't do his part, this isn't going to work. That's not how it works. But the Lord does say, you're welcome to be a part of it. You want to be a part of what I'm doing? I would love you to be that ambassador. I would love for you to be that vessel. I would love for you to plant the seed, right? So this brings to me the words of Paul, it brings to my mind the words of Paul in Philippians 1, 17 and 18. The former proclaim Christ, how? Out of selfish ambition. Not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me, afflict me in my imprisonment. This is Paul. He says, yeah, they're proclaiming Christ, but their mindset is to harm me. Their mindset is my demise. But Paul says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, so wherever their heart is, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. The mercy of God should drive us to tell others about him. But our mind has to be in that place. This is why it's so good to reflect on what fish has God provided to continue that list. But it doesn't always. God works in spite of me falling short. And he has from the beginning of time all the way back to Adam and Eve. Man messes it up. God works. We are to plant the seed. And hopefully by God's grace, we do it with the right heart. But grab a hold of this truth. It's God that makes it grow. Obedience says plant the seed. But the results are up to God. Plant the seed, but the Spirit works in it. You and I will never be responsible for saving one soul. That's not language we should use. But praise God for those opportunities that we get to plant the seed. Let's keep reading and see how God moved. How did God make it grow? Verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. I don't know why I keep saying clock, but I do. Okay. No doubt from the least to the greatest, God did an amazing work. This is phenomenal. All received God's word. 
as from Him. Can you think of a greater miracle? A whole entire city repents and trusts the Lord? Is there any other time that this has ever happened? Jonah cried out in verse 9 of chapter 2. Do you remember what his last thing he said in that whale was? Salvation, what? Belongs to the Lord. Amen. Only God could do this. On one hand, Jonah's words to them were a message of judgment. And I'm sure they saw that. Okay, God is serious. God is going to lay the hammer down. But I wonder if this isn't true also. Did they not also see this as God could have just wiped us out? He could have not warned us. He could have not sent his prophet. He could have just one day were out in the fields and were wiped out. But guys, he said we have 40 days. He said, we have 40 days. So is this not also his mercy? Is this him also giving us what we don't deserve? Is he not giving us the opportunity to repent? And again, that's the work of the spirit in the heart. God could have easily just taken them out, but instead what? He graciously warned them. Has God graciously warned you through his word? Has God graciously disciplined you? Has God graciously said this isn't a good way for you to go? Notice they believed God. Look at the words. They believed God. This is not just a cognitive understanding. This is not, I know this to be true in my mind. True belief when scripture says in John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes, that belief, true belief is fully committing to the Lord. It's fully trusting in him for salvation. As Jonathan Edwards put it, all are hanging over hell. And I'm trusting in the fact and only through Jesus that I'm not falling in. And here's what stands out to me. They did not play the victim game. They did not play the blame game. They owned their sin. They responded to God in their heart, yes. In their mind, yes. And in their actions. God in his mercy grew that seed and through his eyes, they saw their sin. What a gift. God made it grow. If we truly see our sin against God, make no mistake about it, that is His mercy. That is mercy to see my sin like David says in Psalms. True repentance is a change of mind, it's a change of heart that results in a change of action. And that's a process. I turn from sin. I believe God's words. I trust God's words. And I walk in God's words. 
Obedience comes from faith in God, believing those words, trusting those words, walking in those words. What else do we see? They fasted. The people got in a place of prayer and they fasted. They gave up their needs and they showed God, God, we mean business. We're taking seriously what you've said. We're heeding your warning. We fear you. We know you're not messing around. And we're taking seriously what you said. And thank you for showing us our sin. Thank you for showing us our wickedness. Thank you for showing us we're wretched and we're evil. But they revered God. They feared him. To show him they were devoted to prayer. They pleaded with him for mercy. We can peek down at verse 9 just to, if you want to and see how they did that. But not yet. You can. I'm not going to yet. Okay, verse 6. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. So the word of God reached all the way to the top. It reached the nobles. It reached the king. And a king that was known for the horrific and sadistic acts of brutality and violence. This could only be God. Humbled himself to his creator. That's amazing. And not only that, but he led out. He surrendered his throne to the one true God, to Jonah's God. And watch this. He traded his royal robe for what? Sackcloth and ashes. Only God can bring a man or woman to a place of acknowledging their wretchedness and sin before him. This is the work of the Holy Spirit church. That's why for years I sat in church and the word of God would just go, whoop. That anybody else? Mom and dad says I have to be here, but I'm going to draw army bases and play tic-tac-toe and I'm not listening to what this man says. But then one day, the Spirit of God quickened the heart. Acts says that when Peter preached, they were cut to the heart. See, this is the work of God. This is the work of the Spirit. It, is tr it truly is extraordinary. In a broken place, with a contrite heart, He mandated 
all to confess their sin. This is my decree. And they did. How's that work? Every last one grieved over sin. And he said, and so we don't forget, do the same with your animals. Make their life miserable too. Make their misery help you remember your sin. It's incredible. Let their the sounds the animals make be a reminder of their sin against the Lord. The ashes and the itchy sackcloth that all of us are going to wear. Let it serve as reminder as well that we've sinned against the holy God and we deserve judgment. God made that seed grow. The Spirit worked mightily in a lost people. And amazingly, the people turned to God. What if all of us were in the Spirit unified on our prayer Sundays? What if all of us pleaded with the Lord together? What if we prayed for the lost in our circles with this kind of urgency? Would God move again like He did in Nineveh? A posture of prayer. A posture of humility. Look at verse 9. I know you've already peeked there. Who knows, the king says, God may turn and relent and turn from His fierce anger so that we may not perish. What a change of heart. They longed for the mercy of God but acknowledged he had every right not to give it to them. He may still lay the hammer down. If you are in Christ Jesus, heck, if you're not in Christ Jesus, all of us have experienced common grace. But if you're a believer, You've tasted in the mercy and goodness and grace of God again and again and again. But we must understand this truth. We are not entitled to it. God doesn't have to. God is the initiator. I respond to Him. Never do I manipulate or change God. Never do I trick God into doing what I want Him to do. If I have that mindset, no. The king of Nineveh understood that God owed him nothing. We can't forget, Quentin sent me a video a couple years ago and it really just touched me. And it basically reminded me that I was Barabbas. Never remember that you and I were Barabbas. Jesus did not have to. But praise God, he took our place. The Lord mentioned Nineveh in his ministry here on earth when he was speaking about the blind eyes and the hard hearts, the calloused hearts of the people he ministered to, particularly in his hometown. 
And here's what he said in Matthew 12, 41. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. And another reminder that it's God that makes it grow. God made the seed grow in Nineveh. Jesus preached the message of the gospel countless times. Miracle after miracle, he performed. The truth flowed out of him. We just read this morning during our worship, worship what? Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus was handed the scroll and he read the words. He said, and these words have been fulfilled. But what happened? Most of the people, the majority of the people, rejected him. They would not repent. Church, our role is to plant the seed. But we've got to understand it's God that makes it grow. And he grows it in his ways, in his timing. Okay, verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. And just as God has done so many times before, he relented. Part of God loving his creation is knowing that he's judge. When the Spirit comes, Jesus said in John, he will convict of sin righteousness and judgment and often it's that judgment it's understanding that judgment it was judgment for Nineveh for Nineveh that brings sinners to repentance God does not change his mind he does not change his character he stays the same he stays the same he is the same today yesterday today and forevermore and often his promises read something like this. Let me give you an example. Deuteronomy 11, 22 and 23. For if you will be careful to do all this commandment that I command you to do, loving the Lord your God, walking in all his ways and holding fast to him. That's the if part. God says, if you do these things, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you and you will dispossess nations greater and mightier than you. God stays the same. God's character is the same. But what did the people of Nineveh do? They repented. They turned to him. So where are we? I plant the seed. You plant the seed. But God makes it grow. It's important for Mark, with his guitar, that he have it tuned. Because if he doesn't have it tuned, it sounds like 
Some of you will get this. It did in the movie Back to the Future, right, when Marty's playing. You guys remember that? Okay, there you go. So it's important that his guitar stay in tune so it's effective, so he's able to use it, so it does what it was meant to do. And in the same way, you and I must be in tune with God to plant the seed. I have to be. Yesterday I was at Old Navy and my, my, my girls wanted to go shopping and believe me, I, I did not want to be there. I think they knew that, but you know, you just, you take one for the team, you're there and, and there was no six feet apart. It was people everywhere. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't move without someone being right there. You see in all these eyes with these masks, right? And uh, when I got there, my attitude was just like, oh, this is horrible. So we walked around and we picked out clothes and, you know, I was uh, just, you know, the girls were looking at jeans and things and then Ryan decided she wanted to try on a few things. And so um, she went to the dressing room and I just was looking for a place to land, a place to stand. But everywhere I went, it was the wrong spot because somebody wanted to see what I was by or... Um, are you in line or, you know, whatever it was, wherever I went. And I was just making eye contact with two other guys that were doing the same thing across the store, right? Okay. So my attitude at first was just, I don't want to be here. I don't like these people very much. This is not fun. But then God did a work in my heart. And he said, I want you to look in these people's eyes. And I want you to think about how I see these people and how I love them, and how I died for them. And then as he changed my mindset, I just began praying. I just began thinking, God, who are these people? What's their story? How many of them know you? What are you doing in their lives? What are they going through that's hard right now? And he just changed me right in the middle of that situation. And so I think here's what we're reminded. We've got to stay in tune with God so we don't waste the opportunities that the Lord has given us. So we have the right mindset, so we can plant the seed, so we can be used by God. Thinking about those words, renewing our mind. So here's what I prayed for us this week, and, and here's how I want to challenge you with this scripture where it says that we're to plant the seed, but God makes it grow. This was an amazing work of God. What would it look like if beginning today, this week, we just begin to cover our time around people in prayer? Not long prayers, just acknowledging the Lord. Asking Him, God, is there a word that you would bring to my heart? Is there a truth that these people I'm around need to hear? Is there a question I can ask to get this ball rolling? Is there a way that I can pay attention and be observant that I normally am not? But just being in tune with God, walking with God, thinking about that relationship, acknowledging Him. So here's how I just want to challenge us this week.
let's, let's stop right now and pray about this. Everybody close their eyes. Father, as we understand when it comes to your word, when it comes to reading your truth, when it comes to sitting under your truth, that you do a work in your word. And we trust that you are doing that. But God, we just ask you to soften our hearts right now. And I believe you've already done that. But will you keep them soft? Will you keep them soft so that maybe today in our conversations we would look for what you're doing? We would be in tune with that. Will you help us to just take a step this week to cover in prayer those times, those times with others, opportunities to plant the seed, opportunities to walk in obedience in that. And God, that's going to look different in every single one of us, but here's what we ask you, here's what we beg you, Lord, that this just not be taken away from us, but that you keep this before us. This has to be the work of your Holy Spirit, just like it was in Nineveh. We need your help in this. And we are asking you to do that, Lord. We know this is your desire, that we would be your ambassadors, we would be your vessel. Thank you, Lord, for that opportunity. We just ask once more that you would help us cover those moments in prayer. Those moments when family visits. Those moments when we're with our friends. Those moments when we have someone come and do a service for us. Those moments when we're out in the store. person hands us our coffee. Help us to cover that in prayer, Lord. Attitudes that depend upon you and trust in you so that we would be obedient to plant the seed. Let us grasp tight today to the words that you've given us and hold them in our hands, Lord. Hold that word in our hands. Hold that word in our minds. Hold that word in our heart. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we have the privilege to plant the seed, but it's God that makes it grow. Thank you for worshiping with us. Thank you for tuning in. Sorry I was late. But we still got there, didn't we? By God's grace. Um, pray for me in this, and I'll pray for you in that. And we'll see what God does. It's His work. It's the work of the Spirit. He makes it grow. Amen? Amen. You're dismissed.
Thank you for listening to audio from Foundation Life Bible Church, located in Greenwood, Indiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Foundation Life Bible Church, please visit us online at www.foundationlbc.com.